It's Wednesday, January 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We have a couple of win-win deals that we are going to get to, but we're going to start with what's driving the market today. Let me just start here. This is a business show. Longtime listeners know that. This is a business show. We don't talk politics. And yet, we're also not blind to the obvious. And the obvious is that the expected political outcomes from the Senate elections in Georgia is sending a couple of groups of stocks north. So we're going to get to those. And whatever your personal politics are, as always, check those at the door because we're talking business. Let's start with the cannabis stocks because across the board, Tilray, Aurora Cannabis, even Constellation Brands, which is a liquor company, but has a, a stake in the, the cannabis world as well. All of these stocks up 5 to 15% on the, as I said, the, the expectation that both of the Democratic candidates in Georgia will be declared the winners. And so the Democrats will control the Senate. Uh, when you look at the cannabis stocks moving the way they are, does it make sense to you? Well, they've been so beaten down over the last couple of years that there is plenty of room uh, on the upside. And um, to get uh, whether they ever get back to the prices they they attained a couple of years ago, I don't know. But I think that uh, it is obviously a heavily regulated uh, industry uh, to the extent that it is yet an industry. But um, the regulatory environment has been improving state by state um, for quite a while. Now there's increased likelihood that the federal uh, regulations are are going to permit uh, wider distribution and use, and especially for medical use uh, at the federal level. I would think um, so. It makes sense that that things are going up. As to you know the the long term for. Uh, marijuana, I'm not sure it changes that much. Uh, it, the the trend was toward increased legalization. Uh, this is going to speed up that trend a little bit. Yeah, we've talked before uh, in, in the past few years when uh, Jeff Sessions was the Attorney General of the United States. Uh, he made no bones about the fact that um, uh, there was no appetite whatsoever for uh, legalization at the federal level. So, I, I guess this makes sense in terms of, as you said, these are stocks that are beaten down. The you know they're not up thirty to forty percent, um, so the, a little bit of a pop makes sense, particularly if you factor in maybe some of this is short covering. I guess I just sort of look at these businesses and think, okay, well, even if even if in the next three four years we see uh, federal approval uh, on medication. It, it it doesn't wave a magic wand and make these businesses better. You know they could be, uh, you know these stocks could be doubling, say in the case of Tilray, and just sort of get back to where they were in January to to give a little bit of perspective on you know where the stocks trade today versus where they traded uh, eleven twelve months ago. So yeah, a one day stock move is in part going to have a lot of the story of where the stock has been in the past to explain, you know, the magnitude of its one day jump. And, you know, I agree. I don't think that anything major 
changes here, but the long-term trend is going to continue to be favorable toward increased use. It's the question as to how much money these companies, any individual company is going to make is just what are, uh, one, how large is the market ultimately? And also, is there any real advantage that one company can gain over another? through branding, um, possibly through scale. This is something that, uh, although mostly illegal, although not everywhere, you can you grow on your own, um, unlike many products which you would have to buy. Uh, this is something that uh, is not grown by many people, but uh, it is possible to do so just to give sort of a, uh, you know, an, an idea of where the moat is uh, for this company. and. You know, I, I can easily see a decade, two decades from now, marijuana being, you know, four times the size that it is now, five times the size in terms of uh, domestic use. Uh, so significant use for growth, but it's not, you know, it's not multiples. It's it's not it's not like this might be used a hundred times more in a decade than it is today, like some things. I get that people can grow this on their own, but people can also make all their own meals, and yet people still go out to restaurants. Yeah, you can make your own beer, uh, and people do, but not to any degree that Im- impacts the beer market. Uh, it's just sort of an idea of where you know the economies of scale. Of course, that's a, that's a regulated industry too. Uh, but yeah, most people are not going to not going to grow their own. It's just a. a you know, an, an idea of like how how difficult is this to get in small quantities, which would be what most people would use it for. Not that hard, but you know, there, there's a, there's a market there. It's a growing market. It's a market that has favorable regulatory trends, uh, but I don't think that it is going to be uh, a, a massively growing market. What about solar stocks? Because we're seeing a similar move across the solar industry, shares of First Solar, Solar Edge Technologies, and others up, all up in the neighborhood of 10% or more. Uh, do you think the environment is more favorable for, uh, I guess, clearly it, we're seeing the same reaction today that we're seeing in the cannabis industry. Do you think the long-term trend for solar is stronger and better than it is for cannabis. I, I think it's better because if, if you say, well, could solar be used at a, a hundred or a thousand times what it is today at some point in the future, whether that's a decade, two decades, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could be a massively more utilized technology. Uh, and there are extremely good reasons, uh, scientific reasons to pursue legislation that would make that so. Uh, the current administration uh, is, was not interested in, in that pursuit, and the next administration is very interested. When I say very interested in that pursuit, they're not going to, uh, they have not signaled that they're going to do the things that would really satisfy the left wing of the Democratic Party, uh, like take on in a more significant way fracking. But I think supporting solar is you know, an, an easy stop. Uh, making the subsidies for the, the technological development there larger, uh, more prevalent, uh, is is not going to come at the cost of jobs in the oil industry, which is 
given uh, the importance of several states that have major oil production um, economies, something that I don't think that this administration is going to pursue in nearly the same way. So I think it's all upside for solar. Let's get to a couple of deals today. Walgreens is selling its drug distribution business to Amerisource Bergen. It's a cash and stock deal worth $6.5 billion. Shares of both Walgreens and Amerisource Bergen are up on the news, although Walgreens only up about 4%. And this is a stock that over the past year is down more than 25%. So, you know, if, if the reverse were true and it was up 25, 30% over the past year, I would see it. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised Walgreens isn't up more. Uh, given the amount of money they're being handed? Well, uh, they're a company that needs to show that uh, they deserve the long-term trust of investors. It's a stock that's been basically cut in half over the last couple of years, uh, negative returns over the last five years. So, this getting out of the distribution or, or selling the majority stake in the distribution business to a trusted partner, uh, Marisource Burgeon, who they've worked with for years, makes good business sense. Where does that money go? Does it go to expanding the company or does it go to uh, paying down some of the very large debt that Walgreens has taken on over the last couple of years? Uh, They've got their work cut out for them, um, rationalizing uh, the Rite Aid uh, locations that they've acquired, uh, the the foreign stores, which are, uh, I think, uh, struggling a little bit more uh, than the Walgreens stores domestically. So, I don't know that this money goes to something that will be wildly productive, uh, more so than paying down debt. Now, they want to get their debt rating uh, back up. They were downgraded uh, back in April. Uh, They needed to go out and and take on some debt and found that uh, they were downgraded as a consequence. So, uh, I think they're, they're in part looking to be able to borrow uh, at cheaper rates um, by uh, having a stronger balance sheet. Yeah, they really need to get the balance sheet in order. I mean, this is, uh, for all of their troubles, it's still about a $35 billion company. And in that regard, it's um, maybe the saddest $35 billion company (laughs) I've seen in a long time. You know, yeah, I, I, I was surprised that it was that small uh, in terms of market capitalization. Uh, I would have thought, uh, given the brand name, given the ubiquity, uh, now they've been under pressure and will continue to be under pressure by the expanding sales of Amazon. Amazon moving into the uh, pharmacy business uh, may not uh, compete that heavily with with the higher end you know, subscriptions and uh, at, at, at Walgreens. But I think that, uh, you know, they've got a lot of competition and they could use uh, a little money right now. So, uh, it it's a good day for shareholders, up 4%, but it's been a long three years, really. In 2018, Wyndham Hotels and Resorts spun off its timeshare business, Wyndham Destinations. Today, Wyndham Destinations is expanding with the acquisition of Travel and Leisure Magazine from Meredith Corp. And to further distance itself from Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, Wyndham Destinations is going to be changing its name to Travel and Leisure. Next month, it's also going to change its ticker symbol. It will start trading under a new ticker, TNL. 
but this is another win-win deal. Both uh, shares of Meredith Corp, uh, which got the money for Travel and Leisure, and Wyndham Destinations, uh, they're both up today. Yeah, I think uh, acquiring this brand opportunity works, and uh, you know how much they want the magazine. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what. <laughs> What that business is worth these days, uh, Meredith collects uh, magazine brands that uh, had a shinier pasts, and uh, their presents and futures appear to look. Uh, so I think that being able to extract uh, the brand value out of travel and leisure, and you know, discard the magazine in, in the same package, uh, that may be a, a win-win uh, for them if they can do that with some of their other brands. Uh, my hat would be off to them. Uh, so. Yeah, Wyndham, it, it's a huge uh, company, but not not the strongest brand, I would say, to align your timeshare business around. They've got a lot of other hotel brands under the parent company, and uh, some of those are maybe better known. I, I like the rebranding. I, I, I think it's just... Um... I don't know. It, it, I feel like it removes one small point of friction. You know, if... You know, who doesn't like travel and leisure? Speaks for itself. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I mean, I, I don't know if that's why the stock is up, but that just that just seems like oh, you know. I mean, you know me. I'm 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 pretty uh, judgmental when it comes to rebranding uh, and new corporate names. I feel like this is a, a smart move by the people at Wyndham Destinations. Uh, the market agrees with you. And uh, yeah, I don't think the loss of the Wyndham brand uh, for that part of the business is uh, something that anybody's really going to shed tears over. I, I agree that it, it looks like a good deal for both sides. Uh, so, before we wrap up, I, I want to sort of bring together um, travel um, and circling back to the, the start of the show, politics, for just a second. So, um, I don't know what's been going on in your home over the last few months. In my home, one of the things that's been going on is some reorganization. Some like, hey, do we, you know, and, and, and part of that is books. Like, do we need all these books? Should we, like, let's go through the books. Maybe we can donate some of them, that kind of thing. And, and one of the books I came across, um, which I hadn't read in a long time, is a book by a uh, former senator from New Jersey and former NBA uh, star Bill Bradley, and it's a book called Life on the Run, and it's a Bradley wrote this book while he was playing for the New York Knicks, and um, I was reminded of something, um, which is that even while he was playing for the Knicks, there was this assumption among his teammates, and even with his coach uh, Red Holtzman, uh, Hall of Fame coach, that Bill Bradley was after you know, he was done playing pro basketball, that he was going to go into politics. It was just this this given, like, oh, yeah, he's either going to move back to Missouri, where he's from, and he'll be governor, or he'll maybe he'll be a senator, or, you know, something. Like, it was just this, yeah, that's going to happen. That's 100% going to happen. To the point where, at one point, Red Holtzman and a guy named uh, Danny Whalen, who's the trainer of the Knicks, are sort of teasing Bradley uh, while they're waiting for a flight. And they're teasing him about um, basically uh, when he's in politics, when he makes it big, big in politics, that he's going to give them really cushy jobs. 
Um, and and Danny Whalen, the trainer, is like, yeah, you, yeah, I can't wait for you to be make it big and positive. You, yeah, you're gonna give me that ocean job, you know, where I, I I live in a little house by the ocean, and you call me up every week and you say, hey, Danny, is the ocean still there? And I'm like, yep, it's still there. The water's still wet. Yep, you know. And of course, they're joking, but it, it just got me thinking, like, what if Bill Mann were president? Wouldn't you and I be in line for ambassadorships? Not important ones. Not one where actual geopolitical skill is required, but like the cushy ones where it's just like, ah, this is a nice place. Not a lot happens here. Like, like, you know, America could do worse than, than President Bill Mann. And I've already thought of his campaign slogan, a man for our times. But anyway, uh, what are you picking? Like when President Otter comes to you and it's like, all right, I can't, I can't give you anything, but like, where do you want to go? Well, uh, first, I question the premise that if if elected, Bill Mann would actually serve, because I think he would then realize, oh, you know what I'd rather do is be an ambassador and, <laughs> and just immediately take over some ambassadorship himself. Uh, and you'll be able to test him. You're going to have him on the show tomorrow? T- tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Test, I, I believe I'm correct about this, that he would rather be an ambassador than a president. Uh, no, it's, it's too late. The people have spoken. He's in the White House. And no, now but it's then time. he goes like the <laughs> vice president is like, yeah, it's your gig. And how about I'm and, you know, it'll be some place that I promise you, you would not have thought of that day. He would like, I've always wanted to be ambassador there kind of thing. Uh, getting back to your question uh, of, of what is it? Where where I would go? Is yeah. that it? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I, I, my first mental stop on this tour of the world was Ireland. And I'm not sure I should leave it, but I ultimately think that it would have to be Australia for me, me and the family. Um, and anybody uh, who wouldn't have Australia very high on their list has to be, I think, questioned uh, as to their rationality. Don't you think Bermuda has to make the short list? Uh, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, I think a lot of what you can acquire from Bermuda can be other than the proximity to the U.S., if that's one of the things that you most value in your ambassadorship, aside from an English-speaking country and uh, a beautiful place. I uh, love Bermuda. Uh, but uh, there's not a lot to... The, the ambassadorship there is not... There's not a lot to do, not not just like in your daily life in Bermuda, but as in terms of, hey, this is a, a real job. Um, it probably comes further down on the list than than. Why would you not be in Ireland? Oh no, I'm I'm absolutely choosing Ireland. Yeah, yeah. that's there, there's 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 no way I'm not choosing Ireland. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, like it, you take a moment's pause and you're like, well, wait, what would Bermuda be like? And, and Bermuda like, would be yeah. Bermuda would be great, and here's the the question I would have is how much would that differ from just taking a vacation there, being the ambassador that's, there? That's true, because I'm, I'm assuming if you're an ambassador, you can just say, you can just call up ambassadors of other countries and you say, hey, I'm coming for a visit. And, and also, so if you're in Ireland, obviously you've got proximity to a lot of other places you'd like to go as a traveler, same with Australia. Um, and and you've got more of a more of a serious ambassador job to do like the other ambassadors take you a little bit more seriously that's probably true 
they shouldn't, but uh, I think you're right <laughs> about that. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy yourself stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.